0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Which coast? Traveling east to west.
0: New oh, behind Coast to coast. Aaron oh the no.
1: <laughs>
0: mark Gunnels at the house on oh, it yeah. Chiefs coast to coast uh, it's it, it, it's a shame what's about to happen here uh, um uh, I'm wishing that we didn't have to do this. I've been sitting here thinking about it, agonizing over it. It is, uh, it's just really a shame. What's wrong, man? I don't
1: understand why you're so down right now. (laughs) You You, you
0: know,
1: I don't don't get it. You a funny guy.
0: What happened to you? (laughs) Is
1: everything (laughs) everything all right with, with the family, man? Everything's okay at home, man?
0: I can't stand you, man. I can't stand you. Let's let let's let a few more people come in here before we uh, before we get to it. Uh, I, I, everything is good with the family. Appreciate you asking. You know. Uh, oh, okay. I'm just making sure, man. Yeah, you know, everybody's good. You know, I got a, my phone was buzzing off the hook yesterday. It was. You would think something was wrong, but it just. Uh, we're putting the Kansas and Kansas City Chiefs today on, on Chiefs coast-to-coast.
1: Coast.
0: Yeah, man. Rock Chalk, baby. I told you,
1: man. You didn't want to believe me. You didn't want to believe it, man. You was in I, denial the whole time.
0: I really didn't want to believe it, man. and I, of course, followed them through the first couple of rounds. So I, I got an up-close and personal look. You know, they look They they looked inconsistent all year. It's one thing we can't we can't debate you know, and uh, that might sound like hate. Uh, I know some people are going to call it hate, but it, it, it's just true. They were up and down all year, but when it mattered the most, they turned it on, A 11-game win streak in uh, national champions. Mark Gunnels, I'm surprised you weren't able to cut down the nets, man. I was waiting for you to, to get your chance with the scissors.
1: <laughs> nah, man. Let them enjoy it, man. They deserved it, man. Uh, like you said, they were kind of up and down this year, but They got going at the right time, man. And it started with Remy Martin in the tournament. Those first couple games, he was going crazy. Obviously, he made big shots last night. Um, How about the start of the second half, man? How about Christian Brown with that energy, man? And then, obviously, McCormick made some big plays down the stretch. It was just an overall good team effort. North Carolina, they weren't even supposed to be there, man. They had a hell of a season. I think Hubert Davis is going to be a coach there for a very, very long time. Uh, I think he's going to have no problem bringing guys there to Chapel Hill. But Bill Self, man, long overdue to get number two. Now puts him in a whole different category because a lot of guys have one, but not too many have multiple. So he's in a different tier today.
0: A couple questions for you before uh, before we move on to some Chiefs talk. I know this is a Chiefs podcast, but we've been talking Kansas hoops leading up to it, and ultimately they get the job done. Yesterday in New Orleans, 72-69 to 69 the final, down by 15 at halftime and 16 at one point in the first half. Couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. Uh, offense was struggling, uh, foul trouble, everything, you name it. I mean, it was all going right for UNC. And then out of half, uh, Christian Brown turns it into another level. Defensively, DeJuan Harris does some things for them to get some key stops. And, and Mark Gunnels hasn't stopped smiling since. <laughs> yeah I'm glad you mentioned
1: Harris too man I mean he's a menace defensively I mean he completely changed the game picking up full court you know North Carolina started kind of making some turnovers getting out of character you know when I really knew it was a chance that K was gonna win the game remember that one time when I forgot the player on North Carolina but he stepped in like when he's passing the ball in bounds and like he like crossed the line <laughs> and couldn't even throw the ball in
0: oh yeah if momentum that,
1: yeah, at that point I'm like, okay, they're a little rattled here. Like, like, what are you doing, bro? You can't even pass the ball in without uh crossing the line. So at that point I knew that the momentum was really shifting. And yeah, that's all she wrote, man. I mean, it was just one of those games at the end. And speaking of Harris, though, he uh he tried to sell at the end, didn't he? <laughs> he, he definitely he definitely sold for um you Kansas minus four people out there that had. Kansas covering the spread, because they're up by three. If he gets fouled there and makes two free throws, up by five. They covered the spread. (laughs) So a lot of people were saying uh, he was working for Vegas.
0: (laughs) He was on that Calvin Ridley, huh?
1: (laughs) I don't think the NCAA would want to deal with that. That would be a mess, right?
0: Let me use the Chiefs analogy here. This is a Chiefs podcast. I'm going to try and bring this home to the Chiefs. It felt like Super Bowl 54 in a way, man. It's like the whole first half, everything that could go wrong did go wrong uh, for Kansas or or, or KC in Super Bowl 54. And then at a certain point, it changed. You talked about the momentum changer being you could feel it when he stepped out of bounds on on the end line and it was immediate turnover. In 54, I would probably say when the Niners go three and out. Uh, and and it feels like they can't get any answers after having everything right in the first half and really through that third quarter too. I think it's crazy that you know KC, not just the Chiefs, not just uh, KU in this situation, but now this whole region is looking back and saying, "Hey, man, Royals got one, uh, KCFC got one, Sporting got one." Like, uh, people are are starting to realize that this uh, this city of fountains is also the city of champions.
1: Yeah, and speaking of which, how about uh, them calling them the Kansas City Jayhawks after the game? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh,
0: boy, that's going to create World War Three on my timeline.
1: <laughs> you know, Mark
0: Mark Emmer was a little nervous. You know, he didn't Yeah, – I'm sure he didn't really want to be in that situation. And it's enough Jayhawks here, so he could be the Kansas City Jayhawks. Damn it. It's too many. <laughs>
1: hey man I, i'm just, i really just wish that you could have been there live recovering it so you really could experience the pain and have to smile through it for Stop the tv I, I really wanted you to be in new orleans for that
0: <laughs> let me let, let, let me get one more question though before we pivot to the chiefs here do okay. you think honestly and, and, and this is not hate i don't blame the messenger this is a question that people are asking on the eve of ku cutting down the nets was Kansas the best team in men's college basketball this year, Mark Gunnels? Like the like for the whole entire season? No. Not for
1: the whole entire season, but they were the best team when it mattered most, which is in March, and you know that. That's all that matters. But let's not act like they weren't they were still a one seed. Let's not act like they were this Cinderella story that came out of nowhere. Like a lot of people had them in their final four. People even had them won the championships. I mean, let, let's not act like they just you know, weren't deserving. Like North Carolina, they were an eight seed. (laughs) So, I mean, if they would have won, then we could have really asked that question, right? Because they definitely weren't supposed to be there. But, yeah, Kansas was the best team when it mattered
0: most. Yeah, I think this is a question that comes up every year, especially with the tournament. Is the tournament the best way to decide the best team? Probably not because it's a one-and-done situation and upsets and then the bracket opens up kind of like it did this year. I'm not going to make excuses for Kansas' ride because ultimately uh, they had to beat good teams to get in the position they were in. Like you said, they were a one seed. Uh, But, you know, you see Creighton without their best player. You see Villanova without their best player. Baycott goes down late in crunch time. There's always going to be ammunition for Missouri fans and other fans to load up and, <laughs> and got to take some shots. But uh it, it was cool to see and like I said, this region. Uh, ultimately uh, a rising a rising tide raises all ships and it, it, it was cool to see uh people celebrate again man it, it, it's starting to get starting to get parade season again i think parade is saturday you coming back uh
1: i'm probably not gonna be able to make it back unfortunately uh, I, got I got some obligations. Like, a- i got some obligations i got i got a hand
0: out here man so i won't be able to make it unfortunately He's such an L.A. guy. You can't get this man back in the Midwest for anything. It's it's ridiculous. (laughs) Shut up, dude. I'll be be there next month. Looking forward to that. Let's turn the page to the Chiefs now. Kind of a quiet week for them, all things considered. But a couple notes, definitely, that we're going to talk about here on Coast to Coast. First one came from Jeffrey Chiada of uh, NFL Network today. And we talked about this one off mic a little bit. We'll bring it to the audience now. James Bradbury. It seems like Casey is out of the mix on him. The price tag was around thirteen point four in uh, cap space this year, and the, and apparently that's too rich for that blood. That's according to his report. Uh, what do you make of that? And and does it lead you to think that Casey is going to turn to the draft to get their cornerback, or are they still shopping on the free agent market?
1: Uh, it tells me that I, I think it was a disconnect there between the Chiefs and the Giants. Uh, I have no doubt that they were having conversations. Uh, I know there were some reports about the Giants eating some of that salary, so I think it was just a a major disconnect there. And Brett Veach is one of those GMs that strikes me. He's not gonna he's not gonna stay on one situation for too long. He'll give you a couple chances, and then if it's not going anywhere, he's gonna move on because he doesn't wanna waste any time. So uh, I think they're definitely gonna draft. A corner, whether they sign somebody in free agency or not, I think they'll still draft a corner, just because you can never have too many one d- corners on your depth chart, especially now. I mean, they're really thin in the secondary. We just lost uh, another safety today, uh, with a, a Watts going to Indianapolis. But I w- I would, I'm still curious to see what the price tag is for Stephon Gilmore. It's been really, really quiet on that front. It, it leads me to believe that he probably thinks he's worth more than what teams thinks he's worth, right? Because I'm surprised he hasn't been signed yet. I mean, he's been linked to the Chiefs, Raiders, a couple other teams out there as well. So he's really the only one that would really get me excited as far as signing somebody in free agency. But uh, whether they sign him or not, they're definitely going to draft a corner. But if they don't sign Stefan Gilmore, they may have to draft a corner earlier than they expect.
0: Yeah, speaking specifically to the report that, that came out today, to me, it just basically seemed like we talked with this with, uh, with the producer, Steven Serta, who's on here now. It just seems like KC's kind of clutching their money a little tight. This free agency, if they can get you at their price, uh, especially flexibility as far as in these first two years of the deals that they've been signing, then they'll love it and they'll take it and they'll jump at that and be aggressive in adding talent, um, not only defensively, but offensively as well. But, uh, if you're dragging your feet a little bit, like you talked to, uh, maybe if you text her a couple times and she don't text you back right away, you know, <laughs> it's, it's on to the next one. I, I think they're probably still in the market for Gilmore, but the price has got to be right. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to need to address the cornerback position. I don't know who their cornerback their one is right now as of this moment. Who would you say is their top flight like, corner uh, lining up week one for them?
1: Oh, that's tough, man. I probably have to say Snead, right? Because I feel like he's the most versatile. Uh, I think he's long, he's athletic, he can uh, guard in the slot, you can put him on the outside as well. So I I think I'll have to lean him. I do think it was Ward before he left to go to San Francisco just because we saw him go against the top receivers in the league uh, week in and week out, and he pretty much, for the most part, held his own besides that first game against Jamar Chase where he just went crazy. But a lot of that was just you know them guys just having a great connection and he's just a special talent. But I have to go with Snead right now.
0: Cornerback in the NFL, to me, it reminds me of pitching in baseball. GMs will always say, you can never have enough pitchers, you can never have enough young pitchers, you can never have enough good pitchers. And Right now the Chiefs are in a position to where it feels like they don't have enough, whether it's a veteran guy in the locker room, whether it's a young guy that's coming along that maybe you can see make the leap this year. Uh, it feels like they're still kind of poking around for uh, a leader in, in the DB room. And obviously we, we're talking a lot about Gilmore and, and Bradbury, but there's going to be other names. There's going to be another wave. There's going to be other free agency. There's going to be other uh, holes in free agency where, where Casey can add a piece and uh, maybe the price was too high here. We're obviously not going to know until they make a move, but uh, it, it was interesting to see. Cause we felt like this deal was done. I mean, I felt like we on, on the pod either last week or two weeks ago, we like, Oh, well, Bradbury and Gilmore, and then once Arden Key comes in, and now we're looking down uh, a few weeks later, and you're zero for three so far on all those names.
1: Yeah, it just tells me that I think Brett beach is really being careful with this cap space that he does have right now. He's not going to just spend it, you know, irresponsibly, right? So guys just aren't coming down to his price. That's how I take it, because there's no doubt in my mind that he wants to make some moves, but he's not going to just squander this opportunity that he has right now especially when you have a very deep draft and you have so much draft capital to where you can maybe pull off a trade and get a, a veteran a corner or a DN or even a receiver right so he has a lot a lot of chips on his table right now he's not going to put them all in the middle until it makes sense
0: let's talk about another move that's been floating around out there this is a guy I'm surprised you don't have a, a tattoo of this young man already Honestly, as as big as an advocate if you've been, you wrote about him on ArrowheadPride.com. Go check that out. He's been active in kind of dispelling some trade rumors, but they continue to come each and every day. It's uh, Seahawks wide receiver DK Metcalf who says he hasn't heard anything yet, but an ESPN report says that teams are checking on him. I'm curious what you think a package from KC to Seattle would need to look like in order to acquire DK Metcalf. I think it'll take one of your first
1: and probably a third or a fourth to go along with that, either this year or next year. But I think you'll definitely have to give up one of those first round picks this year. And are they willing to do that? I'm not sure, because the thing is with DK, he is up for an extension after this season. So when you make the trade, you're probably going to have to get the extension done at the same time, just so you know, you got him locked up, which I mean, if you do it right now. You may be able to get pretty good value. I'm thinking maybe like $22 million a year at this point. But if you let him play out next year, he can increase his value. And especially with the salary cap skyrocketing, you know, obviously uh, the market is just going to keep rising and rising for those receivers. But this also is a very deep drafted receiver as well. So I get the argument of, hey, just draft somebody. You have them on a rookie contract for four or five years instead of having to be locked in with DK on 20-plus million a year. So I get the argument both ways, though, because DK is a proven commodity. He's only 24 years old, though. But we know the capabilities of what he brings to the table, right? He's big, strong, athletic. He can go up and get the ball. So he will be an instant impact player for the Chiefs. So I'm not completely against it, but the price just has to be right.
0: I'm reading your article now on ArrowheadPride.com, filed on on March 10th. This is from Mark Gunnels. Uh, and he's talking about DK Metcalf and the possibility of him coming to Kansas City. The quote is, "If there's one thing the offense could use, it's a big-bodied possession receiver. Metcalf is that, and he can also take the top off a of defense." I and we have talked about this last week. We're going to talk about wide receiver two, wide receiver one every podcast. If you got your Chiefs ch- coast to coast bingo card at home, go ahead and check off the wide receiver two spot. Uh, it it, it just feels like there that is stopping them from what they just got out of. You talked about the extension. That's that's the big part of this. There's no doubt that the Chiefs could use a talent like DK Metcalf in their offense, uh, especially based on how we've seen their offense work in the last couple of years. But if what we were talking about in the first segment is true, and if what we were talking about before we got on Mike was true and KC is kind of penny-pitching or monitoring their, uh, their cap space this year and in in, into the future, why then jump back right into the deep end of the pool with, uh, with a DK Metcalf, who you know is going to want uh, $20 million a year plus uh, for what he did in Seattle and what he would bring to your offense? It just feels like you spent all this time restructuring, getting younger, cheaper, faster, and, uh, and and DK Metcalf, while he does probably appease the fan base and make them feel better about the, the gaping hole that Tyreek Hill is going to leave. Ultimately it's not a long term solution, Mark. It feels more like a. it feels more like an impulse buy, if you will.
1: Well, I I wouldn't say that exactly, because if you get the extension done now, he's not gonna cost obviously as much as Tyreek Hill did, and the main thing that you mentioned is he's much younger. He's only twenty four years old. So I mean, you're you're gonna get him going into his prime years where whereas Tyreek Hill is going, you know, entering out of his prime years, right? I mean he's still obviously elite. I'm not saying he's not. But he's getting closer to 30, while DK is not even 25 years old yet.
0: So that would be the argument there. All right. I'll give you one more hypothetical, trade. We're talking DK Metcalf here on Chiefs Coast to Coast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Twitter spaces, 7 p.m. every Tuesday, and then in the podcast app after that. that. Uh, too first too much to give up for DK Metcalf? The Chiefs have 29 and 30 this year. We'll talk a little bit about that later in the show. Would you be willing to, 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 to pull the plug on 29 and 30 uh, to get DK?
1: No, nah, that's too rich for my blood. That's too much. I, I can't give up two first. I can't do that. Especially when you have so many other gaping holes on your roster. You need pass rush. You're thin at corner.
0: You know, so, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Interesting. It, it, it's cool to see maybe – you know what the line is for for Mark Gunnell since he is the GM of uh of the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> and what he what he's willing to give up for DK Metcalf. I, I don't know, man. I I think maybe he does get dealt. Oh, we're we're coming up on the draft, obviously twenty three days out from the draft today. I think he does get dealt, but I I, I ultimately don't think Kansas City is is where he ends up, just because of what they've shown us. I'm going based off what they've shown us so far. Obviously, they they could be a curveball, and I do expect KC to be active on draft day, moving up, moving down, uh, and, and also involved in, in, in some of the wide receiver and corner markets, but it, it just feels like DK's out of their price range.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say that exactly, but, I, yeah, ultimately, if you were to tell me where's he going to land, I wouldn't pick Kansas City. I think a team like the Jets, like they seem very desperate. Obviously, they were going after Tyreek Hill, and they have the number four and number 10 overall pick. Now, I'm not sure if they're going to give up that number 10 pick, but if they offer that in the deal, then, I mean, if you're Seattle, how can you not take that? But they weren't even willing to offer that for Tyreek Hill, though, so I'm not exactly sure. Did that make them even more desperate now? Like, okay, now we have to throw this in here to get this deal done. But they can just take someone like Garrett Wilson and be fine, too. But the Jets, maybe the Packers get in the mix as well. Obviously, they're very thin at wide receiver right now. So there's other options out there.
0: Let's talk about your boy, somebody who is also not on the Kansas City Chiefs roster as of right now, but uh, is reportedly in talks with the New Orleans Saints or toured their facility today. I know there was a 0.5% chance when we last mentioned his name on this podcast uh a while back that's former chief safety Tyron Matthew been quiet for him man and we even mentioned uh the possibility of the market telling him what they think about him and his value and what he brings to a team uh your initial reactions to to the New Orleans fit and, and and we'll go from there
1: Yeah, so i mean this is where i expected him to be all along i mean i know he took a visit there today um you know he's been there for a while actually he was at LSU talking to the players down there obviously he's from there so, yeah, I mean, it would make sense for him to go there from a from that standpoint. I mean, they're not a team that's competing for a championship right now, but, you know, as long as he gets the bag at this point, I think that's kind of what he really wants, to be quite frank, because this is going to be the last time he's going to get that type of contract, right? Because he's approaching 30 years old. He's at a position that isn't that valuable in the grand scheme of things at safety you know, especially compared to, like, corner and pass rusher and obviously on the offensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it would be good for him to be home. And, you know, he he wants to be a coach one day, obviously. And, you know, he's already kind of lining it up with LSU so he can be right there in the mix and might do a little recruiting on the side. You know, he's going to that another phase of his career, man. He just wants to get paid and and be at home, I think. So I think it's going to happen.
0: I love how your tone has changed completely. When we first launched this podcast, oh, the deal's getting done. If you want to be a Hall of Famer, you stay in KC. You know, you when you picture Tyron Matthew, you picture him in the red and gold, and oh, the tone has changed completely. You went from that to, oh, I think he's entering a different phase of his career. You, you like it is a complete 180 for Mark Gunnels. And let me just go ahead and say this, Mark. I want to make this as crystal clear as possible because you said this and I want to respond to this. The bag deal is no longer out there for Tyra Matthew. It's not, I don't even know if it ever was. And when we talked about this originally, I kind of pushed back on that. Look at how Bobby Wagner, the details of Bobby Wagner's most recent deal came out. The bag deals that wave, that wave has come and gone. These next wave of free agents, and these next wave of deals, you're looking at one in two years with a front-loaded option and a team can get out after after this and it's incentive-loaded. I don't see a bag-type deal out there for Tyra Matthew because I just feel like that well has already dried. I feel like if he wanted that deal, he could have signed with a non-contender uh, as soon as free agency opened and, and it would have been cut. But at this point in time, you call the Saints a non-contender. I mean, they're not on the cusp. They're not They're not leadoff. Obviously, Vegas probably don't have another favorite, but that division is trash, and they could easily luck themselves into into something.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could probably finish second in that division. I think we all would agree the Bucks are the clear favorite with Tom Brady back. So, I mean, the NFC is kind of weak right now, so maybe they could get a wild card spot, right? And when I said the bag, I was kind of more referring to, you know, getting more than what. Kansas City would probably give him, even though they didn't even give him an offer, I don't believe. So I'm not even sure what that number looks like. But obviously, I think that's well gone now. And I love how you tried to paint me and throw me in a corner, basically. No, no, no. By me switching my tone. You painted yourself. No, no, I didn't. (laughs) You know this more than anybody, Aaron. When you get more information, you can change your opinion. So, I've gotten more information over the past three weeks, You're and my so opinion slippery. has changed.
0: You so damn slippery, dog. You know, it's, it, I
1: can't – <laughs> I'm supposed to ignore the new information I get and stick with my original take? That, that would be very ignorant of me.
0: I can't wait until the fans start listening back to some of these takes, the 1%, Tyler Matthews going to be back in the fold, all that.
1: And you also, act like man, I said – you act like I said, like – it was a 30%. I literally said 1%. Like come on, you're you're over exaggerating. <laughs> like I literally just said 1%.
0: <laughs> Ultimately to me the New Orleans thing kind of feels like a legacy play. You, you I mean we all saw the we all saw the media rollout at, at LSU and Brian Kelly opened him up to open arms. I think he has a players lounge there uh named after him and and, and the New Orleans thing whether they whether he wins another chip or not, whether they're contenders or not. Uh, in, in my opinion, him going there, uh, it, it's a full circle moment, and we can't. And, and sports is full of these storylines and full circle moments. And I thought it was cool for him for him to talk about just the journey that he had at LSU and be able to open up to a lot of the guys that are still there. And uh, no matter where he ends up, obviously he's always going to be a part of Cheese Kingdom. Oh yeah, hundred
1: percent. I mean, he was the the guy that changed the culture defensively. Right. And then he won a Super Bowl his first year here. So, yeah, I mean, he's always going to be in a chief's lore, And I think he's still a future Hall of Famer. Uh, I mean, the guy's been on the all decade team. He's a great leader, Uh, just can play anywhere on the field defensively, very versatile. So, yeah, there's no ill feelings. I mean. I don't know if you still feel like the fan base is toxic or not, but uh, that's a whole different topic. <laughs>
0: You're trying to get us in trouble. You're trying to get us in trouble.
1: <laughs> but, no, nah, I just hope we can uh, appreciate the the good memories of Honey Badger in Kansas City because it was a very fun three years.
0: Hey, we're flying through this one. Kind of a light week on Chiefs Coast to Coast. We always take questions at the end. Appreciate y'all tapping in with us. you want to step up to the stage, ask a question, make a comment, Say Rock Chalk or something stupid like that, throw your hand up, we'll get you at the end. This is something interesting that popped up on Arrowhead Pride. It's from CBS Sports. Cody Benjamin wrote it, and the title is Eight Potential Landing Spots for Quarterback Colin Kaepernick. Of the eight spots, his number one is Kansas City, and he says, Why the heck not? If any team is open to adding weapons of all kinds, it's them. Andy Reid isn't shy about offering opportunities for comeback stories. Now, obviously, he's not coming here, Mark, to be the starter. Nobody here is arguing that. Nobody here is even mentioning that. Number 15 is the franchise quarterback here for the next decade. But that being said, Colin Kaepernick obviously worked out at halftime of the Michigan spring game this most recent week. Uh Looked good. His last pass obviously went a little viral. Adam Schefter had some words to say about that. And he's been staying in shape. He's worked out. He's had tryouts, all the above. Mark, do you think KC is a legit landing spot for cap?
1: No, I don't. I think it's all cap.
0: So, Ooh, yeah, it's yeah,
1: yeah, it's not gonna happen. I mean, I, I don't think no team is gonna sign him to make it a you know a bigger perspective here. And it's not because I don't think he can't play. I mean, yeah, I know people say. There's not 64 quarterbacks in the league better than him. And I agree with that. I don't think there are. I mean, there's a lot of bad quarterbacks in the league. A lot of bad quarterbacks. A lot. I mean, Taysom Hill, he's a quarterback, right? <laughs> I mean, he's really like a tight end, but they've made him try to play quarterback. So I think Kaepernick's better than him, right? But the thing is, whatever team that brings Kaepernick, Kaepernick in, you know it's going to have a circus around it right? as far as the media attention uh, just it's going to be just too much, man. It's going to be too much to try to control. You're really not going to be able to focus on your football team. Every question is going to be about Kaepernick, Kaepernick. And if you have a quarterback that's, you know, let's say he's not at Patrick Mahomes. Like he's like a guy that's, you know, a fringe starter, like a Drew Locke, for instance, right? And he plays a bad game or two. The noise is going to get louder and louder. When is Kaepernick going to play? When is Kaepernick going to play? You know, he's looking good in practice. He looked good in preseason. So it's just too much. It has nothing to do with his ability. It's just the fact that it's going to be too much media uh,
0: circus coming around it. Uh, Overall, I agree with you, but I'm going to push back on a couple things. You talked about the media circus, and that's always going to be a discussion whenever we're talking about a guy as polarizing as Colin Kaepernick is, possibly, and honestly, in my opinion, one of the most polarizing, if not the most polarizing athlete. In all of professional sports, still, and he hasn't been in the league in in, in, in what feels like five or six years. Um, I think if there's a place that can handle that, it's Kansas City. He comes in with no expectations of being the starter. Uh, he comes into Andy Reid's system. He comes in uh, to an organization that has a very strong culture focused on football. There is no there there is no nothing bigger. There is nothing that that the team is pushing for more towards the than winning football games so yes initially you bring in cap and and that first week is oh how's everybody going to react that kind of thing but after that he's the backup quarterback how often do we talk to chad any at <laughs> times a year uh, i mean how often do you really really hear from the backup quarterback and this is a guy who's got that athletic skill set I, I can just see andy reed crafting up and dreaming up different ways to get him involved whether it's in a decoy fashion whether it's using his legs and short yardage and, and different things like that. Um, e- Even the article that kind of brought this whole thing to a head uh, mentions Eric Biennemi using him in some trick play formations and that sort of thing. Uh, I think it can work, man. I know Cap's a little bit older now. I know he's not necessarily what the league would love as far as the storyline is concerned and, and that sort of thing, but... Um, I, I just think of KC as a place that can really shelter him and and bring him back in for that for that one last ride.
1: Yeah, I see what you're saying, but it also doesn't make any sense though for the Chiefs because, like you said, they already have Chad Henney, right? So you already have, I think, one of the best backups
0: in the league. Stop! I mean, stop it! Stop! stop let me let me stop you right there before you keep what? going. What? Who would you ra- who would you rather have as your backup quarterback right now, Chad Henney or Colin Kaepernick? Chad Henney. Did you not see
1: what he did against the Browns in the playoffs? When 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 uh, Patrick Mahomes went down, he he led them to that victory in the second half. I, I don't I don't know why that's so funny to you. I don't I don't understand.
0: Are Chad, we paying you?
1: A, Chad, we? A, we haven't seen Kaepernick play in six years. How do you you don't know what he is?
0: Are we paying he, you for what you what you're gonna do or what you've done? Uh, I mean, I. I, okay, he hasn't seen we, Kaepernick play in six years, so how can you say what he's going to do? He hasn't played in six years. At, at their piece, it, 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 it's a floor versus ceiling argument, right? So, like, Chad Henney has a very high floor, right? And he knows the system, and he's ingrained with that quarterback. Room. I, I don't want anything here that I'm saying to be seen as what I don't think about Chad Henney. I have seen Kyler Kaepernick's ceiling, and I've seen him lead a team to a Super Bowl. I've never seen Chad Henney do that. And yes, even though Kyle Kaepernick hasn't played in six years, I saw the workout and it looked all right. This is the guy that we're talking about being a backup. Once again, Mark, we're not talking about this guy coming in and being the starter.
1: And see, and that's limit- my point though. When it comes to backup, I don't really care what your ceiling is. Like, I'd rather have the guy with the, with the high floor because you're a backup. So like, I don't, I don't really, your ceiling doesn't really do nothing for me. Like, I need to know what you're going to bring to me. I need something that I can rely on. So. If I got somebody that has the high floor in Chad Henney, I know what I'm going to get from him, from my backup quarterback, then I'm okay with that. He doesn't have to have a high ceiling for me, especially when you have an offensive-minded coach like an Andy Reid and the offensive weapons they have around him. It's not like we're going to to ask him to carry the team like Kaepernick kind of had to do with San Francisco with all the running and stuff like that. That's not going to be the case in Kansas City, so... That's my argument to that.
0: Yeah, and I would just say, I mean, we've seen this offense with a mobile quarterback. Uh, Chad Henney doesn't necessarily fit that bill, to put it way. Hey, lightly. don't say that. <laughs> so, don't forget that play he did against the Browns, man. We only got that first down. Your whole basis of he keeping looked pretty, He looked is. pretty
1: nimble on that play. He looked pretty nimble.
0: Chiefs fans have given the ceremonial trophy. The ceremonial clipboard has gone to Chad Henney for, for, for that one quarter. And it was a hell of a quarter. People forget the interception in there, too. I know we kind of gloss over that, but
1: anything is possible, Aaron. Anything is possible. How much Henny did you have after that game? Be honest.
0: Are you a Henny drinker?
1: No, I used to drink it in college, but I'm kind of graduated from that at this point.
0: Henny is gross. We, we need to be honest. We need to have an honest conversation about Yeah, it, I, I mean, I
1: haven't drank since college. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fan.
0: And really, it really, dark liquors in general, like, I have to be in a certain mood in order to do that, and Henny is... <laughs> what? You know what I did drink last night? Oh, so you had something on ice after your Hawks one? What, what'd you have? Remy Martin.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rock chalk, baby.
0: Man, let's get to some more quick hits before we take some questions. I see a request in here already. I want to get to it real quickly. 23's out. 23 days out from the draft. Jordan days out from the draft. KC's got 29 and 30. We'll focus on that today and we'll do a lot of more draft stuff leading up. Um, position group wise, what do you think KC does with 29 and 30 if they stay there?
1: Okay. If they stay there, I think this is pretty simple. I think they'll go wide receiver and edge rusher. I'm not sure exactly which one comes first, but Whoever's the best available between those two positions, I think that's pretty cut and dry. I mean, obviously, a pass rush has been a a case of emphasis this offseason. They haven't really addressed it so far. Uh, You got Frank Clark back, but you don't want to really rely on him. So they need somebody else there that they can rely on, on a young guy, on a cheap deal. So I think that is definitely something they're going to go for in one of those first two picks. And yeah, receiver. I mean, this is a very good receiver class. But if you can get one of those guys maybe fall to you that you really like or maybe get somebody that may fall to the second round that you just really are high on, I think you take, take them there at 29 or 30. So I think those two – I think those are the pretty uh, easy picks right there.
0: Yeah, you took the low-hanging fruit. I think uh, – and we talked about this on previous five. I'm thinking that they're moving – uh, they're making some movement. I, I would be very surprised if KC stayed at, at 29 and 30 and made both of the selections there. Oh, yeah,
1: I agree. I, agree. Uh, I,
0: I think they move up with one and move down with another. I think Edge, obviously, is one that needs to to make an impact. I think they wait on receiver. We, we, uh, we've talked about this ad nauseum about how deep this draft is. Brett Veach mentioned how deep this draft is and how he likes some of the talent uh, in the day two and day three pools. Uh, that's where you get your receiver at. I think you focus defensively uh, on day one. Get your edge, get your safety, get your corner, get your DBs. Uh, but they're not done making moves, man. If it is Gilmore, you're going to need somebody to compliment him. Some young guys that can that can learn from him in those early years. Um, but I think that I think that Casey makes makes some moves with 29 and 30.
1: Yeah, I don't think they stay there either. I was just trying to play the game with you if they were to stay there. But I do think they make make some moves for sure. It just seems kinda weird that they would stay there with the back to back picks late in the first round. Doesn't really make much sense to me, honestly. But yeah, we'll see man. I think a guy this is a guy I'm interested about to see if he's gonna fall like dramatically or not. The the kid from Michigan. Ojabo, I hope I'm saying that right, I hope they didn't just botch his name there. But uh that hurt himself at the uh pro day in Michigan. Yeah. You know, that was really tough because he was projected to be a top 15 pick, maybe even top 10. I saw some mocks. So I'm I'm really curious to see how far does that drop him? Because we know about the draft. When teams start passing on a guy, the other teams kind of get gunshot. or like, maybe they know something that I don't know. So I'm going to pass on them, too. So, like, he may free fall to the second or third round. Like, I really wouldn't be surprised. Like, we've seen it before where a guy gets hurt, project the first round pick, and then he just free falls. But, I mean, he's one of the top edge rushers in in this draft. So, I mean, maybe you get him on a steal, like, in the second or third round.
0: Man, did you see what Patrick Mahomes said about the Tyreek Hill trade? You see any of those quotes that popped up? This has been the last thing we do before taking some of your questions. Appreciate y'all waving at us and, and waiting on us. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did see those quotes. I found them uh, pretty interesting. I found them pretty interesting. You know Mahomes is always going to be the company man and – He's always going to say the right things in the press. And even though this was a spot for, I think, uh, either a, an airline company or something like that, they asked him about the Tyreek Hill trade. And this is what Patrick Mahomes had to say. Quote, they kept me updated the entire time. I knew the extension talks were going on, and I knew he got permission to seek a trade. But yeah, I played my entire career with Tyreek, so definitely there was a little bit of shock when he got traded. That's from Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated. Um Give me your initial reaction there.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I, I saw the whole article, too, the special last week, and I read all the quotes. The The main thing that stood out to me was how he was talking about, hey, it's time to turn the page. And he was, like, really excited to see what he could do with this new bunch of guys. And I think, honestly, I think this is going to be good for Patrick Mahomes because now it's going to force him to be a better quarterback to where he can't just focus in on Tyreek. You know, I feel like he has to give him touches. Now he can spread it around more. You know, because they don't have a true alpha in that wide receiver room right now. You know, maybe that could change, but there's like just a lot of guys by committee, right? Like you got Juju, you got NVS, your boy Hardman. So I think he's really excited for the challenge because now people are doubting him. And we know how Mahomes is. He's very um, calculated. Like we see the celebrations and stuff. So he reads stuff. He sees the tweets. He sees the, the segments on ESPN and Fox Sports and stuff like that, saying the Chiefs wanted to make the playoffs. And how about Keenan Allen coming out and saying that this is going to expose some people? I think that was definitely a shot at Patrick Mahomes, and you'll be uh, a fool if you don't think Mahomes saw that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he definitely, like you said, played the company role as far as, you know, speaking highly of Tyreek and stuff like that. But if you dig deeper into it, he he's really excited to get with these new guys. I mean, today I don't know if you saw the video. It's a video of him working out with Juju already.
0: So they're already getting the work in. I saw that. It, it warms my heart to see them already already working. Specifically to the to the article, you know, it, it let's just call it for what it is. It, it was cap. It was it was company man speak. It was. It was a week after the trade had already been calculated and maybe emotions had settled down quite a little bit and cooler heads prevailed. What really told me everything is, and Mahomes is a guy that he'll retweet Adam Schefter. He'll re- retweet Ian Rappaport as soon as the, as soon as the, the speculation comes out that the dude is signing with the Chiefs. Mahomes is throwing up the, the strong arm hand emoji and saying, let's go, let's get to work. After the Tyreek trade went out and after when all that stuff was going out on the timeline, it was radio silence from number 15. You did not hear, you did not hear a peep. And to me, that was not only company man card, but a little bit of frustrations. And I do truly believe that one day, maybe we talked about this on the pod, maybe it was off air. I truly believe that one day Patrick Mahomes will realize the power that he has in this organization and say, you know what? Nah, he's not going to go full Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully nobody ever goes full Aaron Rodgers again, but. I think one day Mahomes is going to realize, you know, I deserve a seat at the table a little bit here. Not saying that he didn't have input, and I'm sure he they definitely took his feelings into consideration. But everything that we saw in this in this Albert Breer article was, I was involved in the process. I knew what was going on, and I'm excited to work with the new guys. Which to me just sounds like spin.
1: Yeah, I can see how you say that. That's fair. I mean. And he's also, we always forget like how young he is, right? Because he's accomplished so much, so we just assume that he should already feel like he has the power to kind of call the shots and stuff like that. But he's still in that, you know, I'm a young kid, you know, I- I'm going to give my input, but at the end of the day, I'm just going to work with what they give me. I'm not going to, you know, overstep my boundaries, right? Even though I don't think he would be, but I just don't think he's got to that comfort level at this point. But I think he will get there in the next couple of years or so
0: once he gets closer to 30 some it, it happens for every athlete and i think uh, and we're wrapping up this topic here but when he came out with the with the black lives matter video and, and kind of forced the league's hand in that situation I really thought that was going to be maybe a moment in which he realized, oh, you know, oh snap! Like I can, I can kind of move things, I can kind of shape things around here. Not that he was going to do anything for Tyreek wanting thirty a million a year; that was going to happen no matter what. But at some point, we see it with Russell Wilson. We saw it with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, We've seen it with quarterbacks, Tom Brady going through his own power struggle and that kind of thing happening in in Tampa. Uh, You wonder how long there's going to be this kind of sympathetic. Uh, Brett Veach and Andy Reid say, hey, Patrick, this is just kind of the way it's going to have to go. And Patrick says, all right, well, I'm excited for the challenge of what's next. Like, at a certain point, he's going to have to say, nah, bro, if you want me to cook a five-star meal, I want some uh, I want some five-star ingredients as well.
1: Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. And, you know, it kind of makes you think now how much input did you really have? Because, you know, there's this myth or whatever you want to call it that Mahomes pretty much picked CEH in that draft, right? <laughs> so, it kind of makes you wonder, was that really the case? Or did he just kind of say, I like this guy, but you know, at the end of the day, it's still your guys' decision, talking about Brett Veach and Andy Reid. So, you know, there's that narrative out there that he picked C.H. Yeah, Maybe you,
0: you know how drama. sometimes she's like, oh, you want to go eat? Uh, you know, y'all agree on a place, but really it was the place you wanted to go eat the whole time and you yeah. like, <laughs> You know, sometimes you just kind of go along with it and it's a relationship's business. It, it, it's a relationship's business, and uh, every relationship has ebbs and flows. I wonder how uh, this Tyreek decision will will impact their relationship. But uh, let's open it up to questions, man. Good pod so far. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah, so we got
1: Samuel. He was in here for a while. He has his hand up connecting you right now. Thank you guys for also tuning in to another special episode, man, Coast to Coast with me and Aaron Ladd. Rock Chalk, baby. Stop it. All right, what's what's up, Samuel? What's good, bro? Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, I got a question. So I know we got, I mean, first off, like, I feel like we've had this guy Jet McCall Harbin
0: for a long time. I mean, a few years now, and he's dropped a couple balls, watched many games on him. But the fact is, he's got to step up. We're not going to pay $20 million for wide receiver. That's I mean that's my first point. So I, I agree with the Chiefs organization. But we got these draft picks 29 30. You guys say wide receiver, edge rusher. We had a guy Melvin Ingram in the organization. Why not keep him? Go outside him. Trade up our draft picks and get a guy like Jordan Davis. Georgia, what do you guys think? Uh I'll tackle I'll tackle this one as best as I as best I can. Uh, based on production right now, McCole Harmon is not going to garner twenty million dollars. I don't see him as a twenty million dollar wideout. But we have talked extensively on this pod about how the coaching staff has kind of come around and utilizes his, and utilized his strength to their advantage, especially last year in the postseason. He got his first hundred yard game against Denver to end the regular season, and then came on strong, uh, not only as a receiver but also just kind of as a gadget player. Should that continue this year, I believe this is a contract year for him as well uh possibly he gets close to like that fifteen that 15 million dollar threshold but I don't see 20 million dollars. I also don't think that that Casey has enough capital to get up to Jordan Davis sure they probably they have 12 picks, but we're gonna have to give up six of those to get up high enough to get him uh I think they get edge, but I don't think that they get some of that top ten top ten talent. Yeah, I agree
1: with you on that, uh, especially to the McCall Hardman angle here. But, I mean, this is really a a trial year for him, right? Because now there's no Tyreek Hill, so he's going to have more opportunities. Uh, You would imagine more targets and things of that nature. So he really could increase his stock. And also, Aaron, we do have to acknowledge this, the fact that the cap is going up dramatically after next year with the TV deals and stuff like that. So... Well, it looks like, fifteen million now could really be the new twenty million. Just to put that out there,
0: so we'll
1: see, man. I mean, that's your boy. So I'm surprised you don't think he can reach twenty million a year, man. That's your guy,
0: baby, Devo. Nah, not there yet. Uh, wish him luck, though.
1: <laughs> All right, hey, what's up, Johnny?
0: How you doing? Lad, how we doing, guy. buddy? Oh man, y'all don't let the wrong man. <laughs> Lord of mercy, here we go. Let's roll. <laughs> uh what's up lad how you feeling good um how you feeling i'm great what's your question sir um what's your outlook on these falcons this year buddy this is a chief's podcast yo this man got a- on a chief's podcast <laughs> and ask me about the falcons i'll be really quick with this we, we already are- know though lad oh, where your gosh. heart lies buddy they the the, the, Mute- the, the fans love the passion I'll go quick on the Falcons here. The Falcons are in rebuilding mode. Honestly, the Matt Ryan deal and the pursuit of Deshaun Watson probably put them in a better position had they not done anything. Matt Ryan traded to Indianapolis. They got a third-round pick in return. Yes, they're eating the largest cap hit in NFL history this year, which I think is north of $40 million. Uh, But after that, they are free of that. And I think they have over $80 million in cap space next year. We talked about it earlier in the pod. That division is, is booty butt cheeks. So they, they're, then they're part of it with Marcus Mariota at starter. Hopefully they get their quarterback in the future. Uh, if, if it's not this year, then next year when Bryce Young comes out and, uh, we'll see what happens, but they're, they're going to absolutely have to just reset, uh, from a talent perspective.
1: See what you did, Aaron. You got people in here asking about the Falcons. That's your boy on a Chiefs podcast. Really, Aaron?
0: Ah, uh, yeah.
1: Wow, I, I see how this is going, man. KU we, win, KU wins the national championship. Now you got your your uh, your your people in here trying to distract you for any, <laughs> anything Kansas City related, and we're gonna talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Well, let, oh, let, let me give you
0: know, let me give KU their flowers before we get out of here. We talked Falcons. Congratulations to the Jayhawks. I know. I mean, it's just an underdog program. You know, that never never really had success and. They were able to string together a couple good wins, and congratulations to them and their Adidas <laughs> contract and uh, avoiding every NCAA allegation against them. It, it's just. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, against all odds, Kansas was able to pull this off, and it, it's just great to see a, a program that earned it, you know, from the bottom. Hey, hey, quick
1: question, Aaron Will we ever see Mizzou make the Final Four in our lifetime?
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for attending this week's edition of Coast to Coast. (laughs) We'll catch y'all next week. (laughs) Peace.